Will you pray with me? God, we believe that that is true, that you are holy, that you are good. And we believe what your scriptures teach us, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so we recognize that we are, we are here, Father, with you. Holy Spirit, you are moving. And Jesus, we are asking, we are asking that you would do a fresh work here today. Father, I trust you. I trust that the words that you have given to me are yours. And God, I ask now that you, by your spirit, would be the one that would empower me to deliver them. God, I'm asking for you to move. Move in new ways. Bring freedom to this place. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, about a month ago, uh, some friends of ours had actually given us a, uh, a gift certificate, and uh, the gift certificate was to stay at a hotel here in Chicago, and so we were going to have like our own little staycation here in Chicago, and we were really excited about it, and we had arranged for the kids to, you know, do a sleepover at their friend's house, and so they were super excited about it, and, uh, and, and we were excited to sort of have this like, you know, romantic night in our own city, right, you know, and to, to have this little staycation, and uh, the night that we were there, the night that we set, uh, set this up to do it, um, it was really, really, really cold. This was about a month ago. Like, the kind of cold, like, your nose hairs are freezing, right? It was really, really cold. And, uh, and we were going to go out to dinner that night, but both Jared and I, we sort of looked at each other, and we were like, you know, let's just stay in. Let's put our sweats on. Let's order some room service, and we'll watch a movie, right? You know, it was, it was really heating up in our relationship. You know, it was, it was really, it was an awesome night. And... Um, and we, we turned on the television and we ordered the room service and we were trying to find a movie that we could watch. And, and while we were going through the channels trying to find the movie, we came across this TV show that I had heard about but I had never actually watched. And uh, the, the TV show was called Hoarders. Maybe you've seen it. Nothing says a romantic evening in the city with your husband like room service, sweats, and hoarders. And... Um, and it was amazing to me. I'd never seen this television show before, but I, I was instantly drawn in. Um, I, I was instantly drawn into these stories. And, and honestly, I found myself um, right away just feeling this incredible sadness and feeling this compassion as the show sort of walked through the stories of people um, that were literally holding on to mountains upon mountains of stuff because of just this paralyzing fear of letting go. And maybe you've known someone uh, that struggles with this, or, or maybe you've struggled with this in your life. That strong desire, maybe almost that addiction to hold on to something that you know you need to get rid of. And, and as I was watching, it was easy for me to just sort of sit there and to sort of watch these stories unfold in front of me and, and instantly think like, why don't you let this go? Why don't you, you know, let this go? This, this will help your life so much. But the truth is, 
When it comes to grudges in our life, we're not all that much different, are we? You see, when, when we've been hurt, many of us become hoarders with our grudges and our unforgiveness. You know, how many of you, you know, how many of you have, have been wronged in your life? Okay, those of you that are not showing your hands, you're wrong, okay? <laughs> you've been wronged. And how many of you have been hurt? Yeah. I mean, how many of us have, have had that feeling where we didn't want to forgive someone and it felt like we wanted to just hold on to the grudge? I know I've had that feeling. We choose to hold on, to dig in, and, and sort of to almost like intentionally remember. We can almost begin to like hoard this false power and, and this, this control that we think will gain us something from withholding forgiveness. I think we fear that if we choose to forgive, we will we'll somehow justify this unthinkable injustice that we've experienced. And I don't know about you, but um, there have been times where I've, I've held on to grudges. I've held on to, to hurt that people have, have brought into my life. And, and, and I do this, this crazy thing. Um, in my head, I have these imaginary conversations with the person if for some reason we were ever to run into one another. Now, I don't know if you've ever done anything like this, but in my head, these conversations, they are good. I mean, they, they are good conversations. I mean, in these conversations, there are tons of just random people walking past us on this random street where we ran into each other randomly, and these random people are just like, amen, sister. Amen, sister, you preach it, you bring it, come on, bring it some more, that's right, you go, girl. And I'm just like, uh-huh, that's right, that's right, I'm bringing it to you. And somehow in these conversations, it always ends up where the person at the end just starts, like tears start slowly coming down their face, and then they start doing the ugly cry, and then they're like, how could I have been so wrong? I, I am so incredibly sorry. What can I do to make this right? And there's always like some anthem that goes off at the end. Like there's a song in this imaginary conversation that I have. And never once has one of those scenarios actually come true. I mean, just holding on, just holding on to a grudge, does it really ever help us? You see, I often wonder if the fact that we have been the ones carrying around the grudge for so long, if it actually proves its own point, because we're still the ones that are carrying it around. You see, the longer you hold a grudge, the longer the grudge has a hold on you. The longer you hold a grudge, the longer the grudge has a hold on you. When we started this series a couple of weeks ago, the, the new rules of relationships, um, and the more that we got into it, the more that I prayed and the more that I even prayed with people down front here, I started to get this sense that we were supposed to change around the series a little bit. It was supposed to be a two-week series, and today we were going to actually start another series. And I 
almost never, almost never go to Jarrett and ask him if I can preach a sermon. It's always him saying, Jeannie, please, will you please give this sermon? And, you know, after we arm wrestle it out for a while, I usually will eventually say yes. But, but this time I went to him and I said, I, I think we're supposed to change some things around. I think, I think we're supposed to, to teach unforgiveness. And I think God has been putting a message in my heart and... I, I want to preach. I want, I want to bring this message. And, and of course, the second that I did it and the second he said, yeah, that seems right and we moved some things around and we shifted the calendar, the second it happened, I instantly regretted my decision. <laughs> I instantly wanted to take it back. I instantly wanted us to go back to how we had things planned. Because I don't know if you've, you've been around church or you've interacted enough with Christians, when it comes to the topic of forgiveness, this is a difficult, this is a difficult topic, isn't it? Because when it comes to forgiveness, oftentimes we've, we've heard messages around church or we've heard messages from Christians and, and they have these beautiful sentiments to them, don't they? You know, when it comes to forgiveness, you just need to let go and you need to let God, right? Or, or you need to just lay down your rights to avenge because somewhere in the Bible, doesn't it say like, you know, vengeance, it's, it belongs to God, not to you. Or the most godly thing that you can do is to, is to take the wrong that was done to you and you need to just turn the other cheek. Remember, 70 times 7. And while there is truth wound somewhere in those sentiments. There is truth in those sentiments. Those sentiments oftentimes can lack the raw reality that we live in a world where there are absolutely horrific and painful things that happen to us. From abandonment to abuse. From betrayals to beatings. From slander to stealing, from murder to malice, from rape to the repeat offenses throughout a person's lifetime. And I could go on and on and on. And to be honest, I don't want to share a message with you all today that just sort of tells you, you know, here's what you're supposed to do when it comes to forgiveness. You're just supposed to take a nice little spiritual band-aid and you're supposed to put that over your hurt and put that over your wound and you're just supposed to forgive and move on because some of the pain in this room, it requires more than a band-aid. In some cases, it literally requires the fine precision of a surgeon to come in and to perform a spiritual surgery. There are hurts that literally range from the anger of you feeling frustrated at the guy that stole your parking spot all the way to the wound that maybe you have been carrying around your entire life. And I'm not going to hold back any punches today. I, I have been praying. And I, I deeply desire with all of my heart that when you walk out of here, that when you walk out of here in the next few moments, that you will have an encounter with the Spirit of God 
And you will experience a freedom like you have never experienced before. I believe that's God's desire. I believe that God's spirit wants to meet with you. I believe that God's spirit wants to lift a burden and perhaps a grudge that you have been hoarding and replace it with freedom. And I believe that that is possible because I believe that is what Jesus wants to do. You know, I'm not sure um, how many of you had the opportunity to go see Les Mis when it was out. And I, I'm not sure if it's still out. I, I sometimes wonder if, like, after the Oscars, everything just sort of is done. Um, Les Mis is my favorite musical. And it is a powerful story, a powerful story of forgiveness being turned into freedom. And Jarrett and I, we went to go see it over Christmas break, and we literally, we, we literally both cried our eyes out from the very first scene to the very last. That's not an exaggeration. All 158 minutes of the movie, we cried. I felt like I deserved an Oscar after the movie. Um, but for those of you that um, have not seen it, or, or maybe you don't know the story, it's, it's just an incredible, incredible story. And the main character is a man by the name of Jean Valjean. And Jean Valjean is played by Hugh Jackman, um, also known as Wolverine. Um, <laughs> and Jean Valjean, uh, his story is that he was imprisoned uh, for many years for stealing a loaf of bread. So he didn't, he didn't commit some heinous crime. He literally stole a loaf of bread and he was put in prison for it. Well, after a number of years, he is eventually paroled and he gets out of prison and, and literally Jean Valjean has nowhere to go. And he eventually uh, finds a priest. And this priest, he feeds him and he offers him shelter. And while Jean Valjean is there, he doesn't know how to, to get his life started again. And so uh, in, a, in a moment, he steals some silver from this priest and he goes out and he starts living on the run. Well, obviously, he's eventually caught and he's turned in and he's, he's brought back to this priest. And he's, you know, suspecting that he's going to be sent right back to prison, right where he came from. And instead the priest turns to him and offers him grace and offers him forgiveness. And he gives him a new start. And Jean Valjean, he doesn't know what to do with this grace. He doesn't know what to do with this forgiveness. He's never experienced anything like this in his life. And in a song that Jean Valjean sings in response to this literally audacious act of forgiveness, he says, take an eye for an eye. Turn your heart into stone. This is all I have ever known. But is there another way to go? Is there another way to go? He, he takes this exchange of grace and forgiveness and he's realizing, maybe I don't have to live the life that I've been living. Maybe there's another way. Is there another way to go? And it might be one of the most important questions any one of us can ask. Is there another way to go, specifically when it comes 
to forgiveness. You see, the new rule for relationships when it comes to forgiveness is that forgiveness always frees us. Forgiveness always frees us. Forgiveness always frees us. And Jean Valjean was not the first person to say it, nor was he the first person to sing about it. And there is a passage of scripture literally written 2,000 years ago that gives us insight to this very question. It gives us a picture of God's heart when it comes to forgiveness. And we're going to wrestle with it together this morning. And so I'm going to actually ask you to, to grab the Bible that's around you. There should be one in the seat in front of you. There might be one on the floor. And we're going to turn to the New Testament, so towards the end of, of the Bible. And we're going to look at the book of Romans together this morning. In the Bible that you have there in front of you, it's found on page 790. And we're going to look at Romans 12. 17 through 21. Here's what it says. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul begins in these few little verses by saying, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And in light of the question that we just asked, you know, when it comes to forgiveness, is there another way to go? I think that the way that most of us want to go when we have been wounded or when we have been hurt is to hurt back, isn't it? And, and Paul knows. Paul knows that, that our, our natural inclination is that we want to repay evil for evil, don't we? We want it to be fair. You did this to me, so I'm going to do this to you. To go the way of revenge, right? The way of inflicting pain on the person that inflicted pain on us. And as I studied this, this little part of the verse here, this do not repay anyone evil for evil, I literally tried to see if there were some sort of caveats in the scripture. If there was some sort of secret sidebar. If there was like some special magical Greek translation, right? The word anyone, when it's translated into the original language, you know what it means? Anyone. <laughs> anyone. Do not repay anyone. Evil for evil. So it means nobody. Nobody gets an out. Anyone means anyone. And the enemy does not want you to hear this today. He wants you to believe that you're above this. And friends, if you are living and you are breathing, unfortunately, there will be evil that will be brought against you in your lifetime. In verse 17 here, it says, do not repay it. Do not repay anyone. Evil for evil. 
And you see, we can sort of minimize the offense or we can maximize the offense, right? We want to come up with sort of our own categories of what we believe is evil, don't we? But Paul doesn't do that, does he? He says it's all evil. When you are wounded and when you are wronged, it is evil. When an adult hurts a child, when a spouse betrays a spouse, when you gossip about someone and they are not there, it is evil. It is wrong. It breaks the heart of God. And we want to put those into categories, don't we? In fact, my hunch is, as I even listed off those examples, for you, there were some that felt more evil than the others. You know how I know that? I feel that same thing. But Paul says it's all evil. And when you repay it the same way, you end up participating in evil. In the passage, it goes on to say, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you. And many of us, we assume that it's not possible because we don't want it to be possible, right? We don't want to forgive the person because we feel more powerful this way. But when we do that, we end up having an incorrect view of what forgiveness actually is. You see, forgiveness, it does not mean that we excuse the person who hurt us. Forgiveness does not mean that we surrender our right to injustice. Forgiveness does not mean that we invite someone who hurt us once to hurt us again. And the, the passage also does not say, if it is possible, live in partnership. It says live at peace. Live at peace. You see, to live at peace does not mean that we have to go back to living in partnership always. The forgiveness and the peace that God is calling us towards in this passage happens first in our hearts and in our minds and what happens to the people that we forgive, it depends on them. You see, oftentimes people believe that in order for forgiveness to take place, that both people have to come and they have to sit at a table and offer this exchange of forgiveness. That they have to decide, now we're going to be back in the same partnership that we were in before. And, and I have sat at those kinds of tables. And I believe that if that is possible, if that's possible, that is always best. It delights God's heart. And I have, I have sat at those tables where we have exchanged the kind of forgiveness, where we have exchanged the kind of, of peace with one another. And God has transformed me 
through those experiences. But that is not the only way that forgiveness can be exchanged and peace can be experienced. God so longs for us to be free and he knows that when unforgiveness is living in our hearts, we are not free. When unforgiveness is living in our hearts, we are not free. One of my favorite writers by the name of Anne Lamott, she says this, unforgiveness is like eating rat poison and expecting the other person to die. Unforgiveness is like eating rat poison and expecting the other person to die. You know, the person that unforgiveness hurts the most is you. If you are holding on, the person that you are hurting is you. And it is possible to live at peace and to never even sit across from the person that hurts you. It is possible. And some of you, you know that you have been eating rat poison and it does not taste like Ben and Jerry's cookie dough ice cream, does it? God wants, God longs, God is, God literally gave his son's life so that you would be free. The passage goes on and it says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Based on this verse, based on what Paul is saying to us, whose job is it to avenge you? God. And when you avenge yourself, whose job are you assuming? God's. You see, when, when we don't forgive, we keep trying to avenge on our own, don't we? And the passage literally continues by saying, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil, but instead overcome evil with good. He does not say accept evil. He does not say minimize evil. He does not even say allow evil. Friends, we should. We should fight the injustices and the wrongs in this world. But don't ever, don't ever let evil have the final word. You see, when evil has the final word, there's no room for freedom. And God has something much more powerful than evil, and that is forgiveness. And forgiveness is always the gateway to freedom. Always. Forgiving is the only way. It's the only way to heal the wounds of a past that we cannot change and we cannot forget. Forgiving has the power to change a bitter memory literally into becoming a grateful memory. A cowardly memory into a courageous memory. An enslaved memory into a free memory. Forgiving always gives birth to freedom. 
And the very first person to benefit from forgiving is the one who does it. The very first person to benefit from forgiving is the one who does it. I had read a book uh, a number of years ago and I picked it back up this week and reread it literally cover to cover. It's called The Art of Forgiving. It's by an amazing writer named Lewis Smedes. Um, you may want to pick it up. Um, he says this in his book, that the single most creative power that God has given to humanity is the power to heal the wounds of a past that it cannot change through the power of forgiveness. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing what God has given to us? And if you've ever walked through the process of forgiveness and worked through the steps of receiving freedom, the need for the exchange of forgiveness with the person starts to decrease. You may, you may still wish for it, and that's okay. But it doesn't remain necessary for you to live at peace. See, remember, God called us to live at peace. He didn't call us necessarily to restore partnership. But he longs for us to live at peace. And I had one of those um, situations happen in my life this past year. I have a dear friend in my life, and, um, and I had been hurt by this friend. And at times, I wasn't even sure if the friend knew that they were hurting me. I don't even know if they were aware of it. I don't even know if it was registering for them that they had hurt me. And I could tell over time because it kept rolling around in my mind and I kept thinking about it and I kept going over it again and again and again. I could tell that it was affecting me. I could tell that it was affecting my intimacy with God. I could tell that it was affecting my relationships. And I knew that I needed to work through a process of forgiveness. And I knew that it was most likely probably not going to include this person. And so... I knew that I needed to do that. And I, I worked through it with Jesus. It was very hard. I began to journal about it. I began to pray about it. I invited a trusted spiritual mentor in my life to, to walk me through it. I set up some time with, with this mentor to literally pray through forgiveness to pray through me offering this person forgiveness. And they weren't even there. They didn't even know what was going on. But I knew that I had been taking the rat poison for far too long and it was starting to affect my heart. I knew that it wasn't an option for me to live with this unreconciled unforgiveness in my heart. And so I did it. prayed and released it and walked through asking God to repair my heart, to repair my mind, to even change how I saw them. 
And I, I didn't sense that God was saying, you know, you, you need to now go and talk to this person. You need to now go and like, you know, tell them you've forgiven them and, and there's the exchange in our lives. It's sort of shifted and changed and we were living in different places now. And so it just, it wasn't really conducive for that to take place. And this was many, many months ago. And um, it just so happened that we were going to end up being in the same place. And I had already walked through this forgiveness process. And, um, you know, when I, when I thought about it and when I really reflected and when I was really quiet with God, I found that my heart was light. My heart was at peace knowing that I was going to see them. And within five minutes of me walking in to this room, we sat down, we started to talk, and we started to connect. And within five minutes, this person said, Jeannie, I need to ask your forgiveness. I have really hurt you. And I have really wronged you. And I was really unkind. And I was judgmental. And God has, God has brought it to me. And I now want to bring it to you. Will you forgive me? And with tears literally streaming down both of our faces, God gave both of us a gift in that moment that I didn't even know he was about to give you see, I was already at peace. I had already done the work of forgiveness. I was able to look at this person, and they were. They were in union. We were at peace. And then God gave this extra gift. And my hunch is, this entire Last few moments that I've been talking, there's a person that's been on your heart. Maybe the person is yourself. And there are, there are things in your past, there are things in your story that you have not allowed yourself to experience the grace and the mercy that you need. And there is a cycle literally that continues to go over and over again of shame and blame, of shame and blame. And you bring this shame and this blame on yourself and you are literally buried under the weight of your own unforgiveness. Maybe the person is someone from a long time ago. Maybe you don't even see them anymore, but they still, they hold this power over you. And you've pushed, you've just pushed down the possibility of living at peace within yourself and with God. And God is whispering to you today, I've come to set you free. Maybe the person is somebody that you see every single day. Maybe it's a spouse or a friend, a partner, a, a coworker, a child, a parent, a sibling. And the pain and the hurt is so excruciating. And, and you have to interact with this person every single day. And you know there is not peace in the relationship. Maybe what the Spirit is 
whispering to you right now is that you are actually the person that needs to go and seek forgiveness. You know you've hurt someone. You know that you've been too prideful to own it and to confess it. But we're going to spend a few moments and we're going to ask God to allow his spirit to speak to us. I'm going to invite the band to come up while we do this. And when you came in today, there was a, a white sheet of paper on your seat. I'm going to actually ask you to grab that sheet of paper and to grab a pen. And I'm going to ask you to pray a simple prayer, but a prayer that is going to require great amounts of courage on your part. And the prayer is simply this. God, what are the names? What are the names of the people that I need to write on this sheet of paper today? What are the names, God? Who have you been holding onto a grudge or a wrong or a wound and that grudge is now holding onto you? You know that you're not free. You know that there are traces of bitterness inside you. What are their names? Write them down. And in a moment, we're going to do something that we do regularly around here, and that is we're going to come to the communion table. But before we do that, we want to give you a chance to literally take this passage of scripture from Romans 12, from Romans 12, and give you an opportunity as much as it depends on you to live at peace today. To live at peace. You know, the reason, the reason we actually have communion is because we have a cross, right? You see, the cross, the cross can absorb all of our offenses. The cross is where our debts were canceled, and the cross is what allows us to cancel the debts and forgive our debtors. And forgiveness, the forgiveness doesn't start with the other person. It always starts with you and with Jesus. And forgiveness is far more, it is far more about your response to the gospel than it is about the repentance of the person who hurts you. It's about believing that the cross of Jesus Christ is sufficient enough payment, not only for everything that you've done, but also for everything that's been done to you. It is literally about daring to believe the somewhat scary but unchangeable truth that Jesus Christ loves and died for the person who hurts you just as much as he loves and died for you. There are no exceptions ever to that rule. Jesus' blood is the only prerequisite for forgiveness. His blood is what paved a way for you and for me to be free. And friends, forgiveness 
Forgiveness is so unbelievable because do you know what forgiveness does? Forgiveness literally ends our enemies. Forgiveness literally ends our enemies. You see, we were once enemies. We were enemies of God. We were separated by sin and he forgave. He welcomed us as sons and of daughters. And not only did he forgive, he literally wipes the slate clean in your life. This is what Jesus does. God literally says in Isaiah 43, 25, I am the one who takes care of your sins. That's what I do. I don't keep a list of your sins. This is our God. This is our God. This is our Savior. God doesn't have a running list. There's not some tally card of the mistakes that we've made. He doesn't work in the ways of karma where you do something good and you'll get something good or you do something bad and you better watch out. This is one of the most mysterious and miraculous characteristics of our God. God basically, for all practical purposes, he has a really bad memory. He has a really bad memory when it comes to your sin and when it comes to my sin. Our firstborn son, uh, Elijah, who um, is a very typical firstborn son, and he very rarely, uh, like intentionally, does something wrong. And this last week, uh, he got into trouble uh, for being disrespectful. And we've got this sort of, um, he loves playing Wii, and so we've got this little you know, thing where he can sort of load up minutes of playing Wii, and he knows that if he does something wrong or you know, he does something disrespectful, that we can take the minutes away. Well, he was disrespectful, and, um, and so I told him, you know, buddy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to take away your minutes on Wii. He was really, he was really bummed about it. He was really upset, and uh, he sort of stormed up to his room and made it very clear to me that he did not like the consequence. And he was up there for a little bit, and um, he came back down after a few minutes, and he said, Mom, I'm really sorry. I was disrespectful to you. I shouldn't have done that. Mom, will you forgive me? I said, oh, honey, of course I love you. I love you with all of my heart. Of course, of course I forgive you. He said, Mom, remember when you told me that there's, there's absolutely nothing that I can do that will ever make you stop loving me? I was like, yep, it's true, buddy. There's nothing that you can do that will ever make me stop loving you. And he said, Mom, do you remember how you also told me that with God, God always gives us another chance. He said, do you think you can do the same, Mom? He's a bright little kid. Friends, you and I have been forgiven, haven't we? And that is why we are able to forgive. And in a moment, we want to invite you to actually bring your piece of paper. 
And this is sort of special paper, actually, because we're going to invite you to place it into a water bowl with fresh, clean water in it. And when you place these names in it, we're going to actually ask you to to put your hand in it and to swirl it around. And you're going to watch that paper disintegrate. You're going to watch it literally go away. And then we want to invite you to, to tear off a piece of bread and if you want gluten-free bread, that's over here. Um, to tear off a piece of bread and to then dip it into the cup and to let it be a fresh start, a fresh freedom, a fresh gift of forgiveness. And my hunch is there are some of you in this room here today and you're going, oh man, the wound is too fresh. The wound too deep I'm not sure if I'm ready for that today and I get that I get that but your heavenly father has forgiven you and has forgotten all of your debts and I believe in time I believe in time if you walk with him if you let his spirit guide you I believe you will even be able to release. You will be able to release this hurt. And God will give you fresh peace and fresh forgiveness. So I'm going to actually ask you to bow your heads right now. And when we're done praying, when you're ready, I want to invite you to take that piece of paper to come up to the water to place it in there and to then receive the bread and the cup. And Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. Thank you for your incredible, incredible kindness, your incredible patience. God, we know that it is your kindness that literally leads us to repentance, God. And we come before you right now and we literally confess that, God, we have not extended that same kindness. We have not extended that same patience towards others that have hurt us. But, God, instead, we have been harboring bitterness. We have been hoarding resentment, God. And we pray that during this time, during this time, God, as we open up our hearts to you and as we allow your Holy Spirit to examine what is really going on within, God. We pray that you would bring to mind the people that we have not forgiven in order that we may do that, God. And God, we also pray that you would bring to our mind and to our heart those that we have offended, those that we have hurt, those that we have wronged. And God, you would bring to mind the people whom we need to go and we need to seek forgiveness. And God, I pray that your peace would literally fall fresh on this room. That your freedom, 
would fall fresh in this space, God. We know that you're here. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.